0: What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 187. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorino, live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharme's Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt, Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. What's going on, Matt? Just living the dream, you know. A little bit of an earlier show today because we have the Mike Scott Hive tailgate later on today. It's going to be an absolute blast. If you're going down there to uh, the Old Wells Fargo Center parking lot for the tailgate and all the shenanigans, let us know. We'd love to hang out with you. Let's dive into last night's Sixers game, though. a, A pretty solid win against the San Antonio Spurs. Greg Popovich defending Brett Brown. And, uh... Just a, a win that I think was very much needed to just continue to uh, take the burden of all the negative off of this Sixers team. And interestingly
1: enough, another game uh, where the starting five is not together. They've played 70 minutes so far this season. Um, Josh Richardson out with his like hip uh, flexor issue still. Uh don't know his status for tonight's game as of yet, but... I mean, it was a game Sixers were in control of pretty much the entire way, and Spurs have been struggling quite a bit this season on a pretty uh, pretty bad stretch here. So you'd expect to kind of take care of business against a team like that. This is not the same San Antonio Spurs that we're kind of used to seeing. This is a, a struggling team, and I think we were able to – it was a, a comfortable performance, I think is, is the way to put this one. And It wasn't exactly dominating, although Ben played really well, but – Overall, it was uh, it was th- these are the types of wins that kind of like top level teams get on a team that's likely to miss the playoffs this year. You know, I like think this is this is what you're going for.
0: Yeah, and uh, on Josh Richardson's status, Shams tweeted out uh, yesterday that uh, he was going to miss the game against the Spurs, and he's expected to be a game time decision today uh, in his first game against the Heat since being traded for Jimmy Butler. So we'll see if Jay Rich goes. Uh, it would be very nice to have the starting five against a very good Miami Heat team to start the season, and uh, it's going to be. This is one of those regular season games in my book that is kind of a test for this team.
1: Yeah, we uh, haven't really had you know games against high level opposition since that like West Coast trip, um, and I'm talking you know the Heat are a little better than I expected to be very honest. I I, I think I was. Pretty loudly critical of why Jimmy Butler would even be going to Miami, but Tyler Hero's been a great rookie so far. I think the team's gelled well. Spoelstra's always been a, a pretty, uh, pretty great coach, so no surprise that they're they're playing well, I guess. But yeah, they've, they've taken I think a little bit of people by surprise in some senses, and um, it's it's a tough matchup, and you know this is you could say it's going to be a, uh, a potential preview for like down the playoffs line. Cause this could be the three, six seed or the two seven, you know, I, I don't expect the heat to really continue on, on this level, but, um, it's a fun matchup. It's got great kind of, uh, you know storylines with with the Jimmy Butler stuff. I am curious to see if Embiid's playing tonight because we we know back to backs he hasn't really been getting uh, that time, and I I do think I I would go with him tonight simply because I think you kind of have to. There's no such thing as a must-win game really in like NBA regular season, but um, I do think you don't really want to fall out in a very very tight East race right now where it's sort of everyone separated by you know two or three wins. You, you don't want to fall off to a contender here so I do wonder if Embiid gets a look especially since they've been pretty careful this season he's already missed a few games from suspension and and rest Um, very curious to see if he plays tonight but this is a this is going to be a really really fun game I feel
0: there was a quote uh, that was put in a Derek Bodner article that came out this morning uh, from Embiid that said load management that's some BS Embiid said I want to play every game I'm tired of sitting
1: yeah, I mean, he said this. That that's not a new attitude from Embiid, um, and that's part of when I talked about him maturing a little bit. I think that's uh, that would that would be included. You know, at the end of the day, he's our most valuable asset. Uh, our team just does not play the same without him. You, you look at that Raptors series and just what a massive difference he was. He needs to just kind of accept the fact, and you know, part of it is he's uh, definitely a very fierce competitor. And he's, you know, I, I don't think really any top level athletes want to sit time out, but I think he, it doesn't help when he's publicly kind of saying this so often that he doesn't want to sit out um, and that he doesn't feel like he needs the rest and things like that. Like no one feels like they need the rest in November, you know, it's when Until they actually need the rest. It's when you're, you can't stay healthy in April that the rest now helps. Um, and gives you a better chance of being, you know, the the dominant player that you can be when it really, really matters. So you know, I I definitely understand why he might feel frustrated, but, you know, I, I think at the end of the day this is just the trend that the NBA is going towards is resting your stars and making sure that their health is cared for and that they're available for, you know, April, May, June. Because that those that's that's where it matters. The the NBA I think really almost more than any other league i think is so focused on the playoffs just because the regular season just feels a little bit like a, a warm up routine for all of that but you know i i think it's 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 wise for the sixers to you know tread lightly in terms of you don't want to upset him too much but i think i think in the end he probably does understand that he, he needs he needs the rest that it needs to happen
0: yeah and he kind of shut down the media too after uh wednesday night's game against the knicks somebody asked him i forget who it was but they said are you playing uh or do you plan to play in the back And before he could even finish the question and be was like i'm playing like <laughs> there was no hesitation in his voice he said i'm playing uh and part of that is more than likely that he's playing against his BFF, Jimmy Butler. Uh, I Still t- talk, badly. I, I tweeted something last night that, you know, it, it could be taken out of context a little bit, but I said Jimmy Butler is to this Sixers team right now as Nick Foles is to the Eagles. Because you have guys in that Eagles locker room still, you know, behind closed doors, pining for Nick Foles, and openly you have Joel Embiid saying he wishes Jimmy Butler was still here, is it to the same effect where we have you know guys not performing well? Not really, but it's something to think about because it's obvious that Embiid, who is your star player, is not quite thrilled that some of the guys that were on this team last year are not here right now. I think the
1: only counter is, one, it feels like Nick Foles was moved on by the organization, right? And there was some kind of mutual agreement there that Foles was not going to be starting over once. Uh, as long as Wentz is healthy and they were going to do what was right for Foles in that stage of his career whereas Butler it felt like was more at odds with the six. like it felt like he made the decision to leave right like this was his choice and not only that but I think the difference that Foles just happened to win a championship and the MVP of that championship Jimmy Butler didn't deliver that exactly Um, I think the NBA though like I think there's tons of friends you know throughout the league you know you had like uh, like the the banana boat team right like you have all these guys that work out in the summer together that play pickup together like you know again like cat and uh and ben simmons like you know stream together and play video games like these guys all know each other and um especially now as the generations get newer like these guys have all played aau together they've been on like you know the youth teams these all, all these all-star teams by the time they're like 17 years old they're all very very aware and and build these relationships so I get why Embiid, you know, like probably still, uh, still talks to him. it's still someone that he had a bond with. I don't read into it too much in, in the sense that like, oh, you know, like this could be an issue down the line or like, it's, it's some foreboding thing. Um, just cause to me, I think NBA players are, they're much more open about having relationships with kind of, you know, rival teams and rival players, you know, and, uh, that all disappears obviously when it's on the court, but, um, I do think it's it's a league that's pretty open about the fact that it's stars are all all best friends pretty much.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh and says that last night and then uh before the game yesterday, Greg Popovich comes out to uh, you know, a media scrum and they ask him about Brett Brown and flat out said uh fans don't know Jack Squat about, you know, who their coach is or whatever. He said Brett is one of the the best people he knows and that Philadelphia fans should be uh, you know, grateful that he is our coach. I certainly agree. I think Brett is a pretty damn good head coach. Uh, but to get that gleaming praise from his, uh, you know, former, you know, head coach that he was on that staff with San Antonio, and still getting that praise even though he's uh, no longer with the organization, I think is very telling of uh, the type of coach and person that Brett Brown is. Yeah, I mean, he's. Um,
1: I I think he, I've, I've, we've talked a lot about Brett and his strengths and weaknesses and. You know how we feel about him, and I've always felt that uh, he's, he's pretty good, and I think his, his greatest strength is the chemistry that he builds in the locker room, and I think you could almost take that Jimmy Butler quote as a way of... Uh, in, in a way, that's commending towards Brett, that a guy that was here on a shortened season and ultimately left you know, your star player still has a healthy relationship with and clearly was able to build a strong bond with. Now, that's obviously not all down simply to his, like, you know, making, but he clearly fosters an environment where these guys can get along well, and that's important. I, I think that's just as important as, as what you do, you know, tactically and, you know, within the game and running plays. I, I think if you can create a good chemistry and a, and a good feeling within your within your locker room and with all the guys that spend a lot of time together, that's really, really important and I, I do think that's uh, he has a, a good emotional intelligence and I think a lot of people that come out of the Spurs you know kind of coaching tree do Pop himself is is very similar so yeah, I mean it's high praise I don't think I don't think there's a single uh, current NBA coach that you would be more happy to receive that kind of uh, endorsement from than than pop so. And I think he's also definitely always going to say that about Brett because they were together so long. And he's certainly not going to come out and say, no, Brett sucks. <laughs> you know? well, actually, no, he would. He would. But yes, he he, he would Bob say it is very, the one guy yeah, that he would. Very, he would say it very sarcastically, though. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's good to hear. And I think, again, Brett has gotten some, at times, needless criticism and sometimes some deserved criticism. But overall, I, I don't know how you look at uh, a lot of this and think this is Brett's fault. Um, I think he's a guy that is – Constantly been asked to do um, a lot of work with very little tools to to actually accomplish it, and I feel like he's at times even overachieved for considering the the position that he's found himself at times. You know, um, I I can't think of really any other NBA coach that has had to deal with the not only the expectations that he's had, but also the constant roster changing. Again, you know, we talked about how this was like the the fifth version of the Sixers team this season and again they've the this you know brand new starting five that we were all really excited to see has only played 70 minutes together so far this year and you know we're still in an early season but you know like you, you're still not even getting all, all the guys that you want it's he's constantly I think had a little bit of an uphill battle so uh yeah I, I have a lot of faith in Brett and his team's in a good spot too by the way like 10 and 5 like that's Remember when the
0: sky was falling last week? When we were
1: seven and five. Yeah, I do. When we lost to some good teams, and you know, you're gonna you're gonna go on some some streaks
0: in this league. When the whole starting five still wasn't playing.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, when we were missing our, our best player for two of those games, and we were on a, a West Coast road trip, and yeah, I don't know. You know, people people will overreact, and people will overreact positively too. By the way, too, people can be a little too uh, overexcited about this team at times, but. Uh, you, you have to take I think just everything uh it's so cliche but take it one game at a time with this team you know and and that's that's kind of where we're at and we know the strengths we know the weaknesses we know what this team is and is not good at and uh you know the only I, I think the only thing you can do is just sit back and enjoy it because it's still fun to watch I still love watching this team
0: which is great exactly and uh tonight obviously the 10 and five sixers taking on the 11 and three heat. What are your expectations for this game, Matt? Because I think it's going to just be a, a bloodbath. I think these teams are going to go back and forth in like a heavyweight, you know, showdown at the Wells Fargo Center. And uh, I think, you know, basketball is a game of runs, but I think this game is going to come down to who can create the most out of the opportunities that they have, uh, you know, with the ball, limit the turnovers. And I think that's going to be huge for the Sixers, is if they can limit the turnovers against this Heat team that can absolutely, you know, shoot the roof off of the off the building wherever they're at. Yeah, I
1: think um I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a playoff atmosphere, honestly. I, I think and a, a large portion of that would be because of Butler's kind of homecoming and he's someone that I think I think is still pretty well liked by Sixers fans. I don't think anyone really is super super negative on him. Um, But it won't stop people from booing him, I'm sure. I'm sure he might get it. He might get like the Wayne Simmons kind of mix, you know. Yeah. You know, a good cheer because everyone kind of sells some goodwill towards him. But, you know, boo him because it's fun. (laughs) Because
0: Mike Scott told them to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: So uh, you'll have that going. I think with the Heat, too, we've kind of had this not really a rivalry, but – but there's, you know, we had that playoff series in our first season, kind of as contenders again, that got a little heated at times, you know, and uh, with Ben in that series, and you had Mast Embiid there, and there's no white side, which would definitely make this like Justice a... Justice
0: Winslow still there. Yeah,
1: Justice Winslow, like, you know, trying to break Embiid's
0: mask. <laughs> <laughs> Goran Dragic and, yeah, uh, and Ben.
1: Still some unlikable characters, uh, you know, for the Sixers on this team, and... Um, it's not like a deep-seated rivalry, but there's definitely something there, and there's a little bit of an edge, and it's two good teams, you know, at this stage of the season, and that's that's always exciting. So, I expect a, a little bit of what we've seen from the Sixers this year. I wouldn't be surprised in, in these types of games. I wouldn't be surprised to see us down by, you know, 10, 11 points. Um, now we haven't really played a, a contender at home since like Boston, really. Uh, on the first night, a lot of our, our toughest tests so far have been on the road. So it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, how those stretches go exactly when when we have the home crowd behind us. Um, So we'll see kind of uh, where we fall on that way. But, you know, this team has kind of had this hallmark of falling behind and sort of playing catch up for, you know, most of the second quarter into the third and making it close and making kind of closing plays in, in, in late game situations. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of that kind of similar blueprint tonight and see yeah we'll probably be tweeting in the first quarter that uh we missed jimmy butler that we're down by eight and uh you know mb maybe can't buy bucket but he was great last night so maybe that that carries
0: over um does jimmy get a you know welcome back uh highlight video on the new uh 4k big screen at the wells fargo center that's a great question I think he might. I,
1: th- I think he, again, you know, there's no real, like, negative feelings towards him. Um, I, I don't think anyone can really have anything, like, terrible to say. Like, obviously, you can question his his motives and some of the things that he said and did while he was here and whatever. But, you know, even from MB's comments, it's clear that, you know, it's not like he left on, on very negative terms, right? And I think the organization probably still has a a decent feeling towards him at the very least um yeah i wouldn't it be surprised to see him get some kind of video it's weird though because he was only here for not even a full season you know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just strange to have that you know potentially for a guy that was a uh, rental really you know um but yeah i wouldn't be surprised to see him get something but
0: who knows he, he barely played for the sixers but i'm totally blanking on who the throw-in was uh with dario and cove to get jimmy butler He's notorious for sitting on the bench. Oh, at three uh,
1: the center. Uh, what was his name? He had the he had the foot issue. Um, yeah, I know. I know exactly who you're talking about.
0: Oh man, Look at totally this. blanking. It's like again. Justin something, uh, isn't it? Jared Bayless is who I'm thinking of. Um, oh, 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 oh! I thought you were talking about who we got. Oh no, the, the uh, center in the trade. Oh yeah, Justin no. Justin Patton was. Yeah, Justin. That, yeah. Uh, but Jared Bayless was on the the return video when the timberwolves came back so that's my thought
1: on why jimmy will if jared gets it because he was like a
0: (laughs) jared bayless gets
1: that's like waving goodbye to that weird mole that your dermatologist (laughs) like (laughs) got rid of for you it's like kind of just kind of glad to have you off of my body That's what Jared Bayless was. If, this if he artist. gets
0: included in a, a tribute video, is the one I was thinking of, yeah. uh, Jimmy Butler, yeah, I Jimmy. think he's going to end up getting something. I thought you were saying Justin Patton should be getting one. Oh, it's no. Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if he's still in the league. I don't uh, believe he is. But I think, you know, like you said, Sixers fans still really like Jimmy Butler. They appreciate what he did last year. Um, but me personally, I think it's just time to move on. You know, it's the same thing as Nick Foles. It's time to move on. It's been time to move on from Nick Foles since last season. It's time to move on from Jimmy Butler. We have the guys we have in place, and uh, we gotta we gotta be backing them. And I think tonight also is gonna be a huge test for what this Sixers team is kind of branded as, and that's a big time defensive team. If you can lock down on these shooters from the Heat. That's going to be a a big glaring point to me that this team is what they say they are. If they can kind of, you know, manipulate the way the Heat kind of run their offense by playing their style of defense, it's going to be huge.
1: Yeah, and we've seen in games against contenders, them, when it matters, close series out. You know, you saw it against the Hawks. I know we're talking a game that was, you know, two weeks ago and the Blazers as well, but your late game situations, the Sixers were able to clamp down when it mattered, and I think you'll see a little bit of that with the heat and the heat, you know, Jimmy as we know, is great in isolation and someone that's a good ball handler at the end of the games and can make clutch plays, but um I think the Sixers have when it's mattered been able to really uh, negate those types of players so far this year. you know, they, he'll probably have a pretty decent overall night, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him go like something like, you know, 2 for 6 in the fourth or you know, like where he, when it matters someone someone really puts the clamps on and um that that's that's why i think i have a lot of faith in this team still like uh, going forward going for the playoffs just because i i think those those types of moments that we've already seen are really indicative uh, of what kind of performances we're going to get in the playoffs which is again just a, a whole different beast to, to what the regular season is
0: sixers win tonight
1: Yes, they're, they're not typically very good on back-to-backs, and part of that is because Embiid's usually rusted. But uh, if Embiid plays tonight, I feel really good about it. Um, just because I think this team's rolling, I think they haven't really had a, a performance this season so far. Like, we're across the board. I was like, wow, that was absolutely terrible. They've had, you know, bad stretches and bad some bad individual performances. But I think... Uh, I Think of Embiid plays, I I would I would feel pretty good about a win. Um, no Embiid, uh, I'd give us I'd, I'd give us like a, a 60% shot with Embiid playing, which is good, you know, against a, a pretty decent uh, Miami team.
0: I, just, I also thought it was interesting last night uh, during the third quarter. Allah was talking about when Embiid was getting ready to check in. He had that heating pad on his knee, and I think that's something new that we typically haven't seen on the TV broadcast. Uh, maybe pump up the heat a little bit in the Wells Fargo Center. <laughs> yeah, uh, But I think that's That's when also... LeBron comes to town. You want to give him the <laughs> cramps. I also think that's a good sign that, uh, you know, he's taking the precautions during a game to make sure that, you know, he's feeling right, he's feeling good, and that, uh, you know, a surgically repaired knee is going to be at the best it can be at that point in the game.
1: Yeah, we, I think we've always kind of seen him be, though, getting worked on. Uh, is, he's almost like an NFL player where it's like yeah. you see him on the bike and stuff or now, like, going into the blue tent, He's always been someone that's always getting like stretched out, and they always cut to because he's always going to have an intrigue about his injuries and his health. So, uh, I think the <laughs> the Comcast Sports people know to cut to him if you know a trainer stretching him, and because it's something to talk about and and something to to clip. So, I I, I think a lot of NBA players probably have things like that happening, you know, when the, when they're resting and waiting to come back in and keep them hot. Uh, with NBA, he's always going to have this, like, extra magnifying glass on him, but yeah, you know, it's it's and, and that's why load management is so important with Embiid, is because he is someone that's going to take a little more care than the average NBA player because of his size and because of his injury history. So it is important that he continues to to buy into that sense and that the, the Sixers team takes good care of his, his physical self uh, moving forward.
0: Totally agree. And uh, I agree. I think the Sixers get a, a big kind of statement win tonight. And uh, it's gonna
1: be great to to kind of roll into this weekend, this big Philly sports weekend, and then roll into the Knicks early next week with uh, a good record and a good win. You know,
0: yeah. Because after this game, they go on the road on Monday to Toronto, and then uh, a little Thanksgiving Eve matchup at home against the Kings, and then uh, Black Friday up in New York against the Knicks. we Will Ben Simmons hit another three against the Knicks? That we'll uh, we'll wait to see on that, but. I think the rest of this November schedule is, is pretty manageable for this team too, is like we said, Toronto, Sacramento, the Knicks, and then you end next Saturday on the uh, back end of another back-to-back at home against the Pacers, which I think is going to be another you know kind of litmus test in a sense for the Eastern Conference. And uh, I think the, uh, the Sixers have a, a nice end to the month of November going into uh, the winter months here for uh, their schedule.
1: Yeah, and again, a lot of home games, which is important. You kind of uh, lower that that travel fatigue that you get sometimes, and um, yeah, it's it's good. It's a it's a good schedule going forward that you think you can pad a little bit of wins here and there. It's very beatable teams, and you get some some good kind of uh, more highlight worthy ones, ones you really want to catch. So that's uh, it's it's a nice mix for the Sixers for the Sixers now.
0: And you talked about this big Philly sports weekend, Matt. Some things you just can't script. And uh, yesterday as I was tweeting out our Eagles Enemies season preview uh, with Michael Sean Dugar from the Athletic Seattle. Obviously we know Russell Wilson is the quarterback for Seattle. I was getting that iHeartRadio uh, link to tweet out. When you open the iHeart app, music just automatically plays for you. Future started playing as soon as I opened the app. You can't make this stuff no. up. Um, But Eagles Seahawks Tomorrow at 1 o'clock Biggest game of the season thus far In my opinion And uh, the the Biggest concern is that Lane Johnson Has been ruled out uh, Still in concussion protocol So Andre Dillard will play right tackle And uh, he had a not so Great quote uh, to the media Yesterday saying uh, they asked him what it's like from moving from left tackle to right tackle as he's never played right tackle in his career, uh, college, high school, and now in the NFL. And he said, he asked the the reporter, "What hand do you write with?" And he said, "Right." And then uh, Andre Dillard said, "Right with your left." Not the best vote of confidence. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I
1: I think I'll be honest. I don't think many people do and should feel very confident going in tomorrow to begin with. I think even if everyone is healthy, so it's uh, it's going to be an uphill battle. But you know what? We've also seen this team kind of pull out big wins when we didn't expect them to. I can remember being very negative about their chances of going into Buffalo, and that was a a monster win. And not that Buffalo and the Seahawks are the same team, but I think they're similar builds, Mm -hmm. and that they have a good quarterback who who is a mobile threat um you know some decent offensive weapons I think the Seahawks are, are better placed in that regard and then a, a pretty difficult defense you know and obviously now you have the advantage of being at home it is a better team the Seahawks than, than the bills but I don't think there's any reason there's no reason to believe that the that the Eagles can't win right because like, of course they can but it's just I, I think if if you're talking probabilities if you're talking odds <laughs> I, I I know the Eagles are technically favored but uh I I just I, I think it's such a tough matchup. I think the Seahawks are so good. I think Russell Wilson is kind of like the last player you want to be playing in the league right now outside of like Lamar Jackson. Um, so that's not great. <laughs> and I I I also think the stakes could not be higher for this game because you really cannot lose. That That's the deal here too. I know um, the Cowboys at the Patriots and Tom Brady apparently is questionable now. He's got some elbow issue. I don't know. That only makes this i think much much more meaningful for for the eagles because i think if you lose and the cowboys somehow pull one out you're i I hate to say but season's season done at that point so
0: well i'm going to go over the injury report here but it is also as i was listening to our friends at the go birds pod this morning it's espn playoff machine season so we can kind of navigate the way if the eagles win or lose this game to see if the playoffs are still in our hands uh But the Eagles Friday injury report. Nelson Aguilar did not participate with a knee injury. He is questionable. Uh, Rudy Ford, abdomen injury. He is out. Lane Johnson, like I said, with the concussion, he is out. Jordan Howard, Alshon Jeffrey, both were limited with their respective injuries to their shoulder and ankle. They are both questionable. I feel like they're going to be game time decisions more than anything else. Uh, Nigel Bradham, for the first time, a full participant. So he is back, and I think that is huge for this defense, and then Jason Peters uh, was a full participant, so he will also play. Um, Nigel Bradham being back, though, I think is a huge X factor for this defense as they uh, get set to take on a team that is very wide receiver heavy, but they do use the tight end in the red zone. If you can kind of use Nigel Bradham in that area and use him to kind of spy on Russell Wilson too uh, with his speed, I think Nigel Bradham is going to be a big X factor for this Eagles team.
1: Absolutely, and I, I think you you want to get as many people back and healthy as possible for uh, for a game like this, where your season's really on the line. So um, this is going to be this is going to be a game for sure. It's weird that this game got flexed. I know that like Green Bay and the Niners is like that's that's a really big game too, but. It's kind of strange this one got flexed to, to the 1 o'clock as well. It's very...
0: Well, they went all eyes on 425 when New England and the Cowboys are playing because yeah. that is the uh, the cash cow game.
1: But, like, I feel like this is also, like, two very dedicated... like, And people are interested in both of these teams, like, nationally. I know the Patriots and Cowboys also have a similar type of appeal, but... I don't know. It just it just feels weird yeah. that, that this game got flexed like it did. I honestly
0: think it got flexed because the Eagles ended up losing. Yeah. Um, if the Eagles won that game against New England, I think it stays in the uh, the primetime spot. But uh, I feel like the news came out
1: before that, though, that it had gotten flexed. I feel like it had, like, that week yeah. leading up that it had already gotten uh, moved down. Um, it's just strange to go from a Sunday night game to a 1 o'clock mm-hmm. game. I think that's actually... A I don't know if we really talked about it. It's a pretty decent disadvantage to Seattle. Like you already talk about West Coast teams going east. That's already a little bit of an uphill uh, road, but now you're you know now you're downgrading that to, to a one o'clock game, like
0: just that's ten o'clock local time yeah, for them.
1: That's that's a that could be a, an issue for the Seahawks in terms of just kind of adjustment, right? But
0: now one big time uh potential big injury for the Seahawks, questionable Uh, is Jadeveon Clowney with a knee and hip injury. He's going to be a potential game-time decision. If Clowney can't play, where he would be going up against Andre Dillard, that's going to be a huge boost for this Eagles offense where they don't have to face one of the elite pass rushers in the NFL, who they could have also had before the season, uh, especially with Dillard playing a position that he's not comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. As we
1: said, you know, you want everyone from the Eagles be healthy and you wouldn't mind if uh some of the Seahawks maybe took a took a day off sick, cuz they deserve it, you know? I think just take the rest. no need to overexert
0: yourself. So uh let's let's tinker with this year's playoff machine. By the uh, way, I left
1: Marlon Mack in my starting lineup on oh, fantasy, which was just sick. <laughs>
0: uh We're going to go through each week, and uh, obviously this week, Eagles-Seahawks is a huge matchup, and uh, just kind of figure out if the Eagles still have a path to the playoffs, uh, if they win or lose. Obviously, they do if they win, but if they lose, it'll get a little trickier. So uh, let's just kind of navigate with some of the games that don't necessarily affect uh, this matchup, but it's going to be tough if they they lose this game. They're definitely going to have to win out, and they're going to need some help along the way.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the thing. is If if you drop this game, even if the Cowboys lose, it's still a pretty difficult situation to find yourself in simply because you, you're going to have to beat the Cowboys. I think no matter what, the Eagles are going to have to beat the Cowboys uh, to, to have a, a chance this season. But um, already I think you've kind of made yourself a very, very difficult bed. And uh, I I just think it's so hard to get out of this hole right now. I really do because I, I just think – it's already kind of not really in the Eagles' hands because if Dallas wins out, then it's it's obviously over. But um, So to already kind of have your destiny taken away a little bit is, is difficult. You just kind of have to pray for some Cowboys' uh, poor performances. But, you know, it's not fun to say, but the Cowboys have been kind of putting teams away. And I think some of the games that, that they've won, the Eagles in the same situation probably would have slipped. You know, they they were able to put – now obviously – Matt Stafford was hurt for that Lions game, but they were able to put the Lions away where the Eagles weren't and were able to, to capitalize on mistakes and, and win that game. And um, I'm not sure that the Eagles even against <laughs> a second-string quarterback would have really fared all that much better because they – I don't know. I, I just think um, it's it's a, a very, very difficult situation, and you're just going to have to hope that the Cowboys uh, uncharacteristically – in the past few weeks they've they've turned it around since dropping those few games um have to have to lose some close affairs against some good teams but I mean the Patriots can absolutely beat them tomorrow there's no doubt about it
0: now the biggest uh matchups come this week and next week because the Cowboys host the Buffalo Bills uh on Thanksgiving so you would need Buffalo to win that game as well if uh the Eagles end up winning this week against Seattle and the Patriots beat the Cowboys. You also need Buffalo to win on that short week uh, on Thanksgiving at Dallas, and then obviously the Eagles get that hopefully easier matchup against the Dolphins in Miami, and uh, that would definitely help. Uh, you know, moving forward uh, as Week 14, the Cowboys play Chicago, and the Eagles uh, play Monday Night Football at home against the Giants before. Uh, you know, week 15 comes around and the Cowboys play the Rams, Eagles play Washington, and then that week 16 matchup more than likely is going to determine who's going to the playoffs and who's staying home.
1: Yes, and that's, uh, I mean, you trust the Eagles in a big game, but they already had a, a big national spotlight game against the Cowboys and got absolutely toasted. So I don't know. <laughs> this the identity of this team is very strange right now, in which they they show up for some of these big games. You know, I, I think they were right there with the Patriots last week. You know, we talked about that Buffalo game. I know it wasn't that wasn't an absolute like barn burner type situation, right? But came into a very difficult opponent at that time and and put them down on the road. Um, but then you look at some of the other performers, even opening day against the Redskins. You know, like they you know, go down early and kind of have to fight their way against a team that's absolutely awful. Uh, this, they're so, so bipolar, this team. Like it just you cannot you cannot say with any confidence what what Eagles team you're seeing week to week. And, you know, I, I think also you talk about some of the big mistakes that have been made this season on an individual level um i just don't know how people can have uh a lot of faith especially blind faith in this team you know going forward
0: yeah so obviously it starts this week eagles and seahawks uh make sure you check out eagles enemies the weekly series we put out with a member of the media from the eagles opponent uh went up yesterday with the athletic seattle's michael sean dugar he was an absolute blast to uh kind of break this game down with and it's a similar type situation to the Patriots where this Eagles team has to utilize the running backs that are healthy. Sounds like Jay Ajayi is going to have an actual role this week. Uh, and then you got to use your tight ends. The The Seahawks can be beaten uh, by using your tight ends. And luckily the Eagles have two of the best in the league right now. So use them. Don't go away from it. Don't go away from the running game like you did against New England. And I think you'll find a lot of success on offense. You can't try to force the ball to guys that you know aren't going to catch the ball. And honestly, Carson's got to be more accurate with some of the throws he made. Last week, that game you know, was in our hands, and uh, Carson overthrew three straight passes, and then it ended up with that Nelson Aguilar drop in the end zone on fourth and goal. But Carson's got to be more accurate. He's got to be better. But it's also a team sport, and everybody has to step up. Like This whole game can't just fall on the shoulders of Carson Wentz and it be the end-all, be-all. Everybody on this team for who is here has to step up in order for this team to come out victorious against the tough Seattle team. Absolutely. You're going to need a, a much more
1: well-balanced effort. And, yeah, you know Carson, I think it, it did kind of get lost in, in all of the Aguilar fervor that in the, that last throw um, still wasn't great. I know Aguilar didn't track it very well, but it still wasn't. It was, it, you know, he, he has made some mistakes, I think, but... You also have to remember that Patriots defense is like unbelievable. You know, like at the end of the day, like that's one of the best defenses you're going to face all season, um, if not the best, honestly. And that's even with them having some injuries <laughs> and some people out. So it's like, you know, you, you kind of have to keep that in mind as well. Like you're not going to have uh, you're not going to have stellar performances every single week when you when you play a team like that. You look at how a lot of quarterbacks have struggled against the Patriots this year. It's not totally shocking that that Wentz had some bad throws, but yeah, you're going to need, you can't really afford mistakes uh, against the Seahawks team, because they'll they'll punish you all the same.
0: Yeah, so uh, 1 o'clock should be fun, and uh, Matt, ironically enough, as we sit here, uh, still in the month of November, we've had some Major League Baseball signings in free agency, just by the Chicago White Sox, though as they sign Yasmani Grandal to a four-year, $73 million contract. Kind of helps set up a little bit on how the uh, the Phillies will gauge this JT Real Muto extension. Uh, Grandal gets the highest contract in White Sox history, and then they go around and they re-sign their uh, franchise player, Jose Abreu, to a three-year, $50 million contract. But the big news regarding the Phillies, a lot has come out recently. Uh Most notably, Brad Lidge was on uh, MLB Network Radio, and uh, this is what Brad Lidge had to say in terms of the Phillies and one Garrett Cole. That's feeling confident, ready to kind
1: of keep going up, which I I feel like they really are, and and the Atlanta Braves already with five signings this offseason. We've had like eight, and they've got like five signings this offseason, so they are clearly, we just heard from Shane Green, they are clearly trying to step on the gas and make sure they win this division again next year and advance in the postseason, so um, Case, I guess answering all of it, it, it does depend on what the Nationals do. It also depends on if the Phillies go out there and land a Garrett Cole because that possibility is real. The Phillies are absolutely looking at what it's going to take, and they are saying, let's do it. Let's match it. Let's, let's go out there and see if we can land this guy. And I know, of course, the Yankees are in, and we hear that, and the Angels and everybody else, I get it. The Dodgers, fine. But I'm just telling you right now, the Phillies are going to throw out some sick money, toward Garrett Cole, and it could very well end up landing him. If that happens, it changes the division entirely.
0: When- so, the uh, the 2018-2019 offseason mantra was stupid money. Brad Lidge, dubbing this one, sick money.
1: <laughs> stupid at six, and next offseason will be sexy money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I find this interesting because Brad Lidge is around the organization a lot. He's around a lot of the front office people, so it's not like he's just pulling this out of thin air uh what are your thoughts on on this uh little statement from brad lidge on the radio airwaves of uh mlb network radio
1: um it kind of is in line with everything we've heard it's not like they've sort of conceded about not getting Garrett cole i just think if you're asking me for odds on favorites it would be the angels and yankees so it's it's not necessarily new information it's just you're kind of hearing it from another source now like yeah they're in on garrett cole and there's other teams of course but they're gonna they're gonna be competitive in this race and that's Obviously, good to hear. You don't want to hear that they're like, "Yeah, we're not landing, and we don't have the confidence. We're not going to spend the money." Um, I just personally feel that uh, the money, like I think the between the Angels, Yankees, and Phillies, will all probably throw sick money at him, um, and it'll be more of a decision for himself, like where he wants to be, where he sees either if he wants to be closer to home or if he wants to play for a great team. I think we just have to be very realistic about the the very plain truth is that the Yankees are a better yes. baseball team than the Phillies right now and he's more likely uh sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> Liber- okay Liverpool just scored um and that they're more likely if you're asking me who's gonna win a World Series next year the Yankees or the Phillies I think you have to be very honest to say the Yankees are much more likely sure. to do so um so it, it's it's never been a question for me that we're not going after Garrett at all it's just that there are people in better positions um but you know, like, like I, he's totally right in that if you do land a Garrett Cole, that does change the landscape. But my worry is that you're almost putting a little bit of to, to to be cliche, your eggs in your basket here about this, and while everyone else is kind of doing these on on the fringes, on on the edges, work, which has separated a lot of teams in, in, across all sports, when you kind of make these on the margin signings, these guys that make a lot of sense are going to plug valuable holes. I worry that the Phillies are going for, to use a baseball analogy, the grand slam here when they just need to get on base. Like I, you know, like you don't. Not that you don't need Garrett Cole, right? But I, I do feel like, and I worry that maybe there's a little too much tunnel vision about the sick money and not the fact that we need three additional pitchers besides Garrett Cole and we need bullpen help. Like these things are, they're like they're not. They're not going to go away just because you get Garrett Cole, right? You know, we already have an ace, and he, he was even struggling at times last year, and he even won as good as he ended up being last year. He still had a, a great season, was not enough to really push right. his team where you wanted it to go. You signed someone like Bryce Harper, who had a great season, still was not able to push his team further. Like if it, You can have all the top-level talent you want. Ask the Angels what it's like to have great top-level talent. If the rest of your roster sucks— like it can't perform it doesn't it just simply does not matter and I want to see the Phillies focus on that as well obviously signing Garrett Cole would be great and and I don't care about spending the money because frankly it doesn't bother me especially in the sport like baseball where the the cap is a little more loose and you can kind of go over it whatever it just means some billionaire has to pay some extra money like I just don't want us to get sole tunnel vision about Garrett Cole and not focus on these other signings and these other guys that I think can be, in a sense, just as valuable to this Phillies team as signing Garrett Cole, in my opinion.
0: Well, I have more news for you, Matt, because the Phillies are also looking at uh, some marginal signings and some, quite frankly, big upgrades for what this team's current state is. The biggest one is uh, yesterday, John Morosi. Clearly, Matt Klintak is listening to our show. Uh, because he reported that the Phillies are pursuing one free agent shortstop, D.D. Gregorius, uh, with the idea that Gene Segura would move to a different position or be traded, and obviously we all know Joe Girardi managed D.D. in New York. Uh, so, how would you feel about D.D. Gregorius? Because, I don't know about you, it would be a lot of fun to have those emoji post game tweets from D.D. about the Phillies. I think my only concern he had a
1: you know, he's obviously coming and working through injury. had a pretty down year last year. Um, my, like, I don't know why everyone hates Gene so much. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, I understand he has flaws, and he does have good trade value, which is important, which a lot of players on the Phillies right now don't do. The ones that do have good trade value don't necessarily want to part with. Um, so I understand that angle. It just feels like... Um, I'll be I'll be flat on honest. I do feel like Didi Gene to D would be a little bit of a downgrade. At least at least hitting. You know, you could make maybe cases defensively, maybe Didi's a little more versatile than Gene, or at least more willing to be versatile, but I just feel like uh I don't I don't know that you're really making a huge leap there and that's that's a slight concern for me, right? And especially when you talk about coming off injuries and things like that. I don't know. I, I just think um I, I like the idea, right? And I like the idea of also using Gene as a trade piece because I, do, I don't know that you're going to be able to throw money at every situation this off season. I would imagine the organization is going to want to uh, try and trade for some pitching help as opposed to just solely signing it off a of free agency because you could work yourself in a, a pretty large hole that way. Um, so I do like the idea of that. If you are going to sign DD of sort of, plugging that hole to fill more stressing needs at this moment. Um, So that could be a positive for the Phillies, I feel.
0: So here is uh, Didi Gregorius. I'd say the last couple seasons where he's really come on hot with New York. uh, Last year, only played in 82 games, obviously recovering uh, from injury. Had 324 at-bats. Scored 47 runs. Had 77 hits, so almost one hit per game uh, on average. And uh, had 14 doubles. 16 home runs, though, in 82 games. He kind of multiply that by two he was on pace for uh, a full season of his highest home run total yet which would have been around 31 32 home runs 61 rbis uh he really found his stride in new york and i don't know if that's because of the dimensions of yankee stadium as well being a smaller park uh which i mean citizens bank park is also very hitter friendly so it would help him there too um but I agree with you on the terms of just figuring out the whole Gene Segura thing because he's bounced around more than a Super Bowl in uh, this league. And, you know, figuring out what you're going to do with him, it's not like his contract is minimal either. He's on a a, a big kind of contract, so you'd have to find somebody willing to take on a lot of that. Um, but, you know, and it's also a matter of figuring out what you want to do with Scott Kingard. Do you want to keep him as your super utility kind of, Outfield, third base, shortstop, second baseman type, or do you want to finally solidify his spot at second base? Because I think we all know Cesar Hernandez is probably not going to be here next year, so it's a matter of also figuring that out. So there's a lot of parts in terms of you know figuring out Didi, or if you know if you bring in Didi, is he going to be your number one kind of off the bench type player that comes in defensive replacement, kind of uh, a nice you know bench bat type thing. You have to figure that out My as well. issue
1: with that, though, is I feel like we have five guys that are like that. I feel like we have five uh, average to above-average MLB players when we need good to great players, you know? Like, you look at a guy, some of the guys, like Jay Bruce, Dickerson, like, the, these are guys that I don't think are bad players by any stretch, but are, like, corner, already you're, like, borderline guys, and it feels like it, it's, like, it's kind of you pull your hair, and you're, like, what are we building here, you know? Like, it's just, it's just sort of it feels sometimes like we're just kind of throwing everything though at the wall and whatever sticks and i feel like that's not a i feel like we're shooting bird shot when we need to be shooting buckshot like you don't need to send out this huge array of of odds right that's what you do when you're a bad team you know we need to be a great team and identify real talent that is going to help us now and in the future and by the future i mean the next you know two, three, four seasons. Um, and I'm not sure that we're really maximizing every angle that we can right now, in, in my opinion, at least. But it is going to be interesting with Gene just because I, it's so strange because it, it felt like we didn't really even give up that much to get him in the first place. Um, and there was even some of that discussion about some of his like locker room issues in the past and that he could be a little bit of a like a fiery character and, and maybe not always like the world's greatest teammate. I don't think we really heard any of that this season with the Phillies. I don't think there's any reason to believe that that's continued. Who really knows, of course. I think he was liked by a lot of the
0: guys from the surface that we were able to see. And I feel
1: like we got enough behind-the-scenes talk about the pitching this year that I feel like that was more the issue in terms of any kind of problems within the clubhouse this season and some personalities. It feels like most of the outfield and positional players seem to all get along, at least, uh, enough that we haven't heard any like rumors or smoke, so that's that's good at least. It's not like he's you know someone that uh, you really need to ship out, but I just um, I'm not sure what kind of value you get back for him. And I, I just think I think the Phillies are in such a weird position right now that uh, I it, it just would feel strange to move on from Gene so quickly, uh, you know, when it felt like it felt like when we got him, like that was like one of the biggest hauls of last season, and now it's like kind of itching to pull the trigger on getting him out of here again i don't i don't know i don't know what the turnaround was was really with that and it's strange because you know you talk about all these you know all these uh these trade pieces as well you talk about some of these prospects like our boy alec bohm of course um, uh, moniac like these guys all kind of being talked about in trades for like you know big stars and i just I'm very, very uh, curious to see what happens with the Phillies, and I do wonder if again we have—it's sort of cooled off a little bit all the Astros stuff, but I think that is still looming with a lot of the league. I think people are a little nervous to make any big, big decisions, especially if you are someone involved with the Astros, someone involved with the Red Sox, someone involved with the Mets, because there could be pretty severe punishments coming down, and I think. Um, you know, even suspensions and, and all those things. Like, I do think there is still some element of teams all kind of, like, waiting, like, all right, let's kind of see what happens with Houston first and what comes out. And, you know, let's not forget, too, it's not just the Astros that are doing this. I know everyone's piling on them, of course, but the original article was talking about how the Astros, you know, they just happen to have, like, a whistleblower, essentially, but that multiple teams are doing this. And, you know, you wonder if that lid is going to get blown off anytime soon either. Um, I don't think we have to worry about the Phillies because uh, if they were, I think they should just sell the team, maybe move them to the Expos, Um, because if we were cheating for the past two seasons and this is what we got, uh, we deserve to not have a franchise anymore, to be honest. (laughs) I think that'd be probably the biggest indictment ever. (laughs) If we were stealing signs, we're still that bad.
0: Uh, Now, before I get to the next... uh, You know, potential Phillies free agent target, uh, which does regard the pitching. They also did sign their hitting coach, Joe Dillon, the Nationals, uh, former Nationals assistant hitting coach for the last two seasons. And uh, we saw what the Nationals hitting did this season uh, with him at the helm as the assistant. And then obviously two seasons ago, Bryce was there. So there's a a connection there as well. Um, One thing I do have to bring up here, though, there was uh, I don't know if you saw this, this Reddit post. Uh, about the Astros and it's absolutely insane so this is from at Hoodie Gary on Twitter tweeted this screenshot on uh, November 19th and uh, it says so Reddit user you slash meme dash engineer is either someone within baseball or a psychic so this post was uh, from the 19th 26 days prior Uh, so says, I had a dream a couple weeks back when the Astros were playing the Rays. So this was posted on Tampa Bay Rays Reddit as well. Uh, It was after that, uh, it was that after the postseason finished, a news story came out that the Astros had a team of people deciphering signs with cameras, and then that team relayed the, uh, the signal to transponders that were worn in the cleats of the top, parentheses, trusted not to snitch Astros players. The transponders would vibrate according to what pitch was coming, example, once for fastball, twice for off speed. But it was just a dream, haha. That would never happen.
1: Which fits that same the the once for, or the twice fits down. with the, the video Boy breakdown did. with the trash cans. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard some rumors about that and about them having even earpieces in, mm-hmm. like these kind of Bluetooth, like really tiny earpieces where they can actually hear either someone talking. Like... I saw
0: that, and then I saw the... Uh, I don't know if you remember when somebody thought that a like a sticker-looking thing fell off of one of the Astros player's bats, and they said it was like the authenticity sticker. Mm-hmm. They're saying that was kind of like the transponder vibrator Thing that would buzz on the bat the confusion transfunctioner from <laughs> <laughs> um
1: it's like a it, the, the rabbit hole goes so deep here and yeah i mean in a world where we know that players have burners uh where we know that front office people have burners who knows man like it could be anyone uh i it's i wouldn't be shocked but um again i who even knows when we get to the bottom of this and what actually comes of it right. I think the more we hear about it, the more it seems like there's gonna be some pretty pretty heavy punishments here. Um, and I think baseball will do well to make a, a pretty serious kind of ruling on this to really like stop everyone in their tracks from this. not that you know, and you think it's being compared a lot to the steroids era. and you you look at some of the suspensions that players got from the steroid area, you're talking full season, you know, bands, and you're talking half season bands. And that is something that on an individual level, they they're making decisions, usually like in the off season to kind of take these shots or pills or whatever, whereas this is systemic within the organization with multiple people, very deliberately. You know, gaming and cheating the system. You know, my one argument about steroids has always been is that yes, it can improve you as a player, but you also have to put the work in still. Like, it's not some magic pill that you just take and you're all of a sudden the Incredible Hulk. Like, no, you still you still have to improve and still play. And um, you know, a lot of those players that did take steroids were still without the the enhancement were still great players themselves. It just put them to a, a, a next tier. Whereas this is a, a little different in that you have multiple players, if not every player, it seems. <laughs> You know, kind of getting a really, really significant advantage, and I, I just don't, I, I, I'm so curious to see what what the final punishment ends up being and how long it even takes to kind of work through all this because I think what you need too is everything's a little circumstantial right now with with the steroid era. You could have you know doctors' office logs and you know people visiting certain places and you know it took some people turning and snitching and also like court like subpoenas and stuff like that whereas this so far i know a lot of it does seem damning but it still is very circumstantial
0: and it's also hilarious that uh the whole tv monitor thing came to light in the i believe it was the astros DVD, video yearbook
1: it, it was their world series dvd that people got that literally. screen screen grab of the they like the the whole setup there with sunflower seeds a strew um so good luck trying to convince anyone that 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 was just all. Oh, that's only for they. They're trying to say that that's only for uh, video reviews and stuff Yeah, for, like, okay. um, which I'm not even sure if that was really like as much of a thing in 2017. It's not like this is from last season. Like it that, was
0: that all happens in New York anyway. Yeah,
1: that's that's the point. Is like okay, like you know it, it feels like, but again it is like. I know it feels so damning, and it's like yes, but like at the end of the day, like this has to be as like clear cut as possible for there to be the punishments that MLB decides right like they can't go off of oh well do you see that picture on Twitter like they're done sorry you know sell the team you know like it has to be I think there's going to probably need to be more people that open up about this because so far we only have one player that even went on record
0: with two actually two
1: yeah two but you know like And even then, you haven't really heard that much out of them. It was more just like, hey, this is happening. And then they got the email from a scout like Mm -hmm. being asked to do this in prior years to kind of experiment with ways of relaying information and things like that and what you can and can't get away with, which I wouldn't be surprised either if every team does, I think. Every team, to some extent, engages in this practice. It's just this – I don't think we've ever seen it on this level where it's like so systemic – so clearly deliberate and so very much a part of what they were doing right you know it's become
0: their culture
1: exactly and i I think that's that's where it gets different i think again to back to the original point i think that's why a lot of teams are kind of backing off a little bit probably in some free agency decisions because they really do want to see where this leads especially since they may even be affected if they have a guilty conscience like you know like i you know we did some of this too, and we knew about it. So let's just, just gonna hold off. Let's just, uh, like. especially
0: since the Astros owner had you know police officers with him at the GM meetings. Yes, uh, and you know he, he the media kind of approaches him. He says, "If you want to talk about baseball, I'll talk about baseball." And then obviously uh, media members were going to question everything that's going on. So the police kind of escorted him out of the area where the media was. So that's also a little telling. But the final bit of Phillies news also coming from one John Morosi. Uh, from MLB Network. He uh, he reports that the Phillies and Madison Bumgarner's reps have been in contact, uh, sources confirming to him at MLB Network. And uh, John Morosi, one of the more trusted uh, minds in baseball, also the one reporting on the D.D. Gregorius front, uh, Madison Bumgarner would be very, very nice for this rotation. And uh, it obviously came out in, uh, I believe, an athletic article that the Phillies were looking to pursue Madison Bumgarner uh with an added motivation to keep him away from the Braves. Which I like I like that spirit and <laughs> attitude. Um yeah, he's
1: interesting because he's obviously an older pitcher, and we even you know were rumored when we were still a good team <laughs> in you know, like June, that uh, you know, maybe at the trade deadline he's someone you could go after. I think he's someone that um he's almost like what you wanted Arietta to be. Except he's a little bit older, right? He doesn't have maybe the same overall talent and value that Arrieta had when we signed him. But, you know, you want this kind of veteran guy who's been around the league, has won, you know, like he's been in clutch situations. He's known for being a great playoff pitcher and someone that could help kind of grow and and add some leadership to the clubhouse. And you know that you're not going to get, obviously, his best seasons. But I do think he could be a good signing. It would depend on, obviously, like the terms... And you know, I know again, it's not my money, but I don't, I don't want to be in an Arietta situation where you're kind of, you're wasting resources on a guy that isn't really putting you any further than you'd like to be. Um, and also, I, I'd imagine he wants probably a longer, longer-term deal. We'll see kind of where the Phillies are with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would take Bumgarner on this team. That I would take a lot of people on this mm-hmm. team, right? To well, be very honest,
0: I'll put this on you here. Madison Bumgarner will play a majority of next season at the age of 30. Yeah. So a lot of people think he's older than what he is as well because he came up so young. I believe he came up when he was 19 years old. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, just about, I'm just worried about the World Series. i worried about the mileage. You right? Know?
1: like, yes, age wise, he is 30, right? But, you know, typically you don't see pitchers with 10 his years arms of experience. 32,
0: 33. And
1: deep, deep playoff. Again, you know, you're talking. Pitching three. out of the bullpen yeah, like, in,
0: the, in the World Series in Game 7. And, and a guy that was
1: willing to, like, forego rest days during Mm -hmm. those times like you know that that it's like when people say the same thing about jimmy butler where it's like oh well you know if you look at his the same people at his age he has similar minutes or less minutes it's like yeah but just played under tom thibodeau where he's
0: playing 43 minutes a night like bumgarner also had the motorcycle accident so you have to take that into account with how his body is just recovering from that even though that was you know a couple years ago it's still gonna you know take a toll on your body falling off of a motorcycle um Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know. So that's definitely something to account for. And the only thing I have issue with uh, them pursuing the Bra you know, to keep him away from the Braves is just don't overpay. Yeah. Like, you don't want to go I'm crazy. sure the Braves would love to see us throw oh, stupid absolutely. money. Yeah. You don't want to give Madison Baumgartner, like we said, who is 30 years old, but his arm's probably 32, 33, uh, you know, a huge five-year contract. You don't want to go Jake Arrieta 2.0 and uh that's the one thing i'm concerned about is if they are so you know dead set on keeping him away from the Braves is that they're going to give him more money and more years than what he probably should get from this Phillies team yeah i think that's a reasonable concern as well but
1: yeah i, I absolutely take Bumgarner on this team and think he'd be a good fit and he still has value as a pitcher himself it's not like he's Solely like veteran leadership guy, like he he can still pitch, and I think again, you know, the more guys you can have that have been in big situations, the better. So,
0: the the big thing for me with Bumgarner last year, obviously, pitching records you take them for what they're worth. He went nine and nine, still had a sub four ERA, has never had an ERA above four in his career. Uh, he pitched well, that would in, change as soon as he gets here for sure. <laughs> has never, and uh, he pitched in thirty four games last year, which was tied for a career high. Uh, which he also did in 2016 when he went 15 and nine, um, and you got to remember this Giants team was not good last year, so his pitching record was going to be affected by that. But he did pitch uh, over 200 innings, something this Phillies team needs is guys who can eat innings. Uh, you know, he gave up under a hundred runs, under a hundred earned runs. Only gave up 30 home runs last year, although that was a career high. So that's also something to keep an eye on in terms of bringing a guy to a hitter's park like Citizens Bank Park. How many home runs is he going to give up at this stage of his career? Um, and, you know, he had a, a a whip of 1.13, which is still relatively good for a guy like Madison Bumgarner. His opponent batting average was 245. So I think if you can slide Madison Bumgarner in here as a potential number three Maybe a fringe number four, depending on who else you bring in in free agency. If you get a Garrett Cole, that's obviously going to switch some things up. But uh, I think Madison Bumgarner would be a solid fit for this team. And then, say you go get Garrett Cole, and then you go sign Cole Hamels, your rotation is kind of filled out right there. And I'd be thrilled with a rotation of Garrett Cole, Aaron Nola, Bumgarner. You're probably going to have to throw Jake Arrieta in there just because of the money you're paying him, and then Cole Hamels. Yeah, I think... I've
1: that's uh, already a massively improved uh you know rotation from what we've seen last year and um like we said it's going to take three or four additions to make you feel good about this this rotation going forward so um we'll see you know and I'm I'm like I said I'm just very curious to see where the Phillies go this offseason uh we know that they're we know they're going to make big positive moves simply because they have to mm-hmm. to not do that would be like suicide at this yes. point but it's just uh I'm very curious to see the lengths of deals they give out, especially if you're talking to the Bumgarner and Hamels, like how, how willing are they to go kind of longer term or short term, whatever, and also if they are making trades, what are they giving up or who and for what? Like, It's just very, very curious to see where the, the
0: Phillies go this season. It's going to be interesting as the hot stove starts to heat up. We will keep you posted on all things Philly sports on our Twitter page at PHI. You can also follow us on Instagram Underground PHI. Also, quick shout out to our friends at Signature Lacrosse, the official sponsor of our Outside the Box podcast. For the uh, the old care package they sent our way, you can check out that unboxing video on our Instagram there at OTB Pod. And uh, we're getting ready to head down to the Mike Scott Hive tailgate. So if you're there, make sure you uh, come say hello. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Gonna be a lot of people. And uh, shout out to everybody that helped put that thing together. But uh, as always. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. And uh, you can also follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the Radio.com app, the TuneIn app, and you can follow and stream us on iHeartRadio. We will be back on Wednesday, hopefully talking about a big Eagles win over the Seahawks, some more hot stove news, and uh, a nice little stretch run of wins for your Philadelphia 76ers. And who knows what the Flyers might be up to. Uh, so until next time, as always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot. Make sure you check out their Black Friday sales coming up. It's going to be a lot of great deals over there. We're, we're going to be over there uh, very, very soon to do some shows and do some promo with them. So make sure you head over to Ducharms and Vineland for all your Black Friday apparel, sneakers, all that good stuff. A lot of good deals going on over there. Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick, Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 187. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace.